0: welcome home. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered.
1: We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets and children.
0: Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up and how to fix it. For everything we
1: can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to Welcome Home.
0: Today on Welcome Home, we're stepping into the kitchen, dusting off our aprons, and getting to work. Whether it's new babies, new homes, dealing with illness, or even grieving the death of a loved one, one of the most powerful and restorative ways to serve the people we love is to bring food made with our own hands. On today's episode, we're chatting with Janet Rich Elsbach, home cook and author
1: of Extra Helping, recipes for caring, connecting, and building community one dish at a time. Plus, why sad people like to nibble, Kirsten's gross love of cola bottle gummies, and the time a homemade lasagna was served with boxer shorts and a teacup. All that and more on this week's episode of Welcome Home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. Thanks.
2: I know. Welcome, this
1: <laughs> Welcome everyone to the podcast.
0: Yes, Great. we're... This, is,
1: this feels very... uh.
0: Foreign to Graham and I. We haven't spoken in so long. Oh, like months. I mean, we could just do, we're going to do an episode right after we record this one just called Catching Up with Kirsten and Graham.
1: Called Miss Ya. Um, yeah. I've had pneumonia, which you will hear more about on today's episode. I don't know.
0: Yeah, she coughs up seven lungs. There's dogs, there's coughing, but it's a good episode. There's, dogs, there's coughing, there's chocolate. <laughs> Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like to play?
1: <laughs> so, this is a good book. This was, um, Janet reached out to us, which I thought was really sweet. She it's she a great book. She's sharp. she's
0: she's really smart.
1: She sensibly knew that we would be into bringing people food. I don't well, do it enough anymore. I feel like along this was like my my go-to part of my weekly routine was cooking someone a meal, and I have to say, got it.
0: You want to know the fact? thing? since we got the book and I read it, I've upped my meal bringing game.
1: It's all about what's in your mind, you know
0: is like what you have on your like accountability that kind of thing I knew because this was I've been actively reading the book and thinking about it I've been bringing people food left and right
1: well I think also when you do it all the time it's not a big deal when it's this like I cook once a year for someone else it becomes this sort of high stress thing but if it's like yeah yeah no I'm always I'm always cooking for people
0: okay but what's gonna what you're gonna find interesting dear listeners um and I think this is cool and this is what we think makes this book unique because there's a lot of you know Talk and chatter about just serving others and gracious living and bringing people food when they're sick. This is not a how to make a casserole book the what's interesting and we'll get into this in detail is Janet has thought about the intricacies of caring for people through all stages of life, be it airplane travel um you know someone with a terminal illness, new babies um, moving into a new home. And so the book is organized around truly thinking about the needs of those people. Yes. What to cook for them and like healing restorative foods. And then it'll kind of lead you to think for yourselves what you may want or not want when you yourself are sick or, you know, just during different periods of your life. It's, it's a little, it's deeper. It's not just a cookbook. Can I just tell you, we didn't get
1: into this this much. We didn't get into it at all during my, um, during the interview, but when I moved into a rental house, I was pregnant with my third. So my littlest was like, I don't know, a year and a half. It was, you know, moving is already exhausting, but when you have a four-year-old, you're pregnant and you have a toddler, it was so much. And my friend brought me dinner, but then she also snuck into my fridge and she just had just berries that she had washed, like blueberries she had washed, strawberries she had cut, and um, a little like breakfast coffee cake.
0: You are kidding me.
1: It was like, I mean, I'm, that extra step of including breakfast for the next morning and, and like a bottle of OJ,
0: it was like
1: <sighs> the nicest thing in the world. I mean, I was thinking, even like with little kids, like you remember those, like when you go camping or or like when you go to a hotel or whatever, they have those little mini, ho- um, little mini cereal boxes. Oh, so fun. What if you just brought someone some fresh cut berries and a little thing of cereal and a, and a bottle of milk, you know, like- Anything like that, just to be like, hey,
0: also, to like, here's breakfast, too. Don't even worry about remember that. Remember those starter packs one? of cereal? I think they probably still sell them. Like, it's the mini boxes that come in, like, 12 different sizes. Yes, that's what
1: know. I was thinking about. Something yes. about those just make children so happy.
0: Yes. When we used to visit my grandparents in South Carolina, my grandpa would always buy those for us, and we could, like, choose. And I remember I never even liked Pops, you know, Pop cereal. But I oh, yeah, but you like them in a the little mini. I like them when they're there. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll have a bowl
1: of Pops. Oh, <laughs> totally, totally. I remember fighting with mom. She's like, we have bowls. I'm like, I know mom, but the box becomes a bowl. And she's like, it's going to leak. I'm like, but no. you know what? Okay.
0: Let's dive down. Cause we're off. We love to get off track. Do, <laughs> you think, do you think that was like, it's more enticing for our older generation because like that was before serving individual serving sizes were such a kind of ubiquitous everywhere thing.
1: Mm, Do no, you think? You know what I think it is. I think it's that as children you have so little that you get to choose. The getting uh-huh. the pick which flavor was really exciting. Do you
0: remember the chocolate rice krispies? That was in there. The cocoa krispies, of course, which no <laughs> one else. would buy. No I mean, one would buy a normal box of cocoa krispies, but you're thrilled to try them when they're in that little box of twelve.
1: The joy, the joy of youth. You know what? I should buy this for my kids. They would be really excited.
0: That would be so nice if we did that.
1: Mm-hmm. All That'd right, on
0: to uh, I'll be- add it to my Walmart grocery queue. Oh, I'm so glad you're loving that. Still loving it.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. um, All right. Well, I really enjoyed this interview and I hope you guys like it. I hope it inspires you to do some, some cooking and just serving people in that way. She's got a lot of great tips. Without further ado, Graham, that's your catchphrase. Without
0: further ado. And we'd like to welcome Janet Rich Elsbach. She has written Extra Helping, Recipes for Caring, Connecting, and Building Community One Dish at a Time. Kirsten and I thought this was a fabulous book. Um, Janet, congratulations. Kudos to you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, It really was neat. You found us and reached out, but um, once you send me the book, because we love cookbooks, we love caring for a community, we love hospitality, so everything about what you put together was right up our alley. But we, upon a deeper dive, your book is so much more because Kirsten and I were chatting about this before we started the interview. Um, you're not just providing food to people who are in times of need or jubilation or upheaval. You are trying to heal the soul through <laughs> the actual food you cook. So tell us a little bit more about kind of the background with
2: well I feel like I should preach now (laughs) Um, but I I think of it as much as a guidebook as a cookbook because the I'm a home cook I'm not a culinary professional by any stretch of the imagination I do a lot of cooking but I come at it from a home cooking perspective not from a cooking school perspective and what I was really trying to provide for people was a place to start just a um When you're overwhelmed and you don't know what they want and you don't know how to help and you don't know how to show up, food is just the most basic language of support because everybody eats.
0: Okay, wait, Janet. So you're saying you're making dinner for someone tonight. Go. Tell us more.
2: (laughs) I'm roasting a chicken while we speak. I um, signed up for a meal train for a friend who had um, a little accident a few weeks ago and She texted me the other day and said, you know, you don't need to bring me dinner. I think I'm actually fine now. And it goes back to what I was saying about everybody eats every day, whether they need help doing it or they don't need help doing it or there's something going on or there isn't, you eat every day. Mm -hmm. And she's just in recovery from a pretty nasty fall and she has kids and she has dogs and she has all kinds of things going on in her life. And why not cook her dinner? (laughs) You know, why not take an extra day to recover? So, um, you and I were just chatting about bacon grease and um, bacon fat, and I happen to have some downstairs. And so, when I went to roast the chicken, I put that on the chicken. And that's the background to our conversation. You know what you
0: think upsets me about millennials today? Have we talked about this on the show, Kirsten?
2: <laughs> I don't know. But by the way, just so you know,
1: Graham is not even 40 yet. And if you didn't know her, you would think she was 79. Yeah, I need
0: to always wear a sentence. An old breakers.
1: 79. Yeah,
0: I keep my house at 80 degrees. Okay, but seriously, people aren't keeping bacon fat anymore. Like, they think that's gross. But um, in World I've,
1: War II, Graham, tell us how you did it in World War Two. <laughs> like,
0: you know how we all keep our bacon drippings in like a can, and sometimes you even store it underneath the sink because it's disgusting? Um, that doesn't, I mean, I ask you to ask any 19 to 27 year old person right now, if they have a can of bacon grease, and I bet you're going to get a 90% negatory rate on that.
2: Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's funny because I was a vegetarian for years and years. So it took me a while to come back around to that idea. But maybe if you approach the millennials from the hipster nose to tail, use everything angle, Mm. you know, it has this, this feeling of- For one thing, it's just a pain to dispose of, and so finding a way to use it just seems like win-win all the way around.
0: (laughs) You know, that's funny. Sorry, I'm getting off track now. We had a restaurant around here. Another bad idea. Its its name was like root to tail or nose to tail or something like
2: that. Nope, that's horrible.
0: It went out of business. Shocker. (laughs) And I think it's because every time we thought about going there, my husband's like, I don't want to eat a nose, and I don't want to eat a tail. Yeah, it's a tough concept. I have seen oh, that one coming. That's like, funny. By the way,
2: just spin.
1: I'm going to go off on a tangent too. I want to apologize. To everyone who's 79. 79 is still very young. Graham is 97. I
2: I uh... am. <laughs> well, I'm 104, so that's. I think I win. Perfect.
1: Okay, wait. Uh, we're going to get just totally go off the off the um outline here, but just because we did bring up vegetarianism. I wanna talk about this a lot because this is a really big thing. Um, let's get down to the very basics of bringing people food. This is not like it used to be where somebody would get sick and you'd bring them a casserole. Like We live in an age of so many dietary preferences, um, medical, moral, whatever the case may be. And how do we honor that? And also, I would love to talk about how you do talk about meat versus meatless because I think your perspective on it's really interesting
2: well i come I come to that from having been a vegetarian and consequently by most people's lights, very hard to feed for a really long time. um so I've been on the receiving end of it and the, if i if I were to preach about showing up for with four people with food, it would be that the the main thing you need really is curiosity. There's really no harm in asking what people want to eat, what they like to eat, what they're craving, you know any. All that information is readily available if you ask the questions, mm-hmm. um, and that. Yeah, the- but you don't live in the
0: South where nobody says what they think. That exactly. I, j- <laughs> Janet, I double two can dare you to feed people down here.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, I, try, I, try getting a straight answer. Like, well, one of the great things that millennials have brought to our life is a lot of apps and technology, and I think—and I don't know because I haven't lived in the South—but I think that things like take them a meal and, um, I'm blanking on the names of the others, uh, meal train and all of those, those, uh, pieces of software allow people to state preferences without having to do it face to face or, you know, phone to ear Yes. and sound demanding,
0: mm-hmm.
2: just type it all in, hate Very kidney true. beans, husband is paleo, kids allergic to peanuts. It's all in there. And so, and it, and it's easier than saying when someone says, can I bring you dinner? rattling off, well, you know, we don't really eat shellfish and I'm kind of tired of casseroles and all that kind of stuff. You know, for people, I think accepting help and offering help are two separate but related skill sets. And they're That's both, brilliant. they both have a learning curve. It's really hard to take help. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you have to f- navigate like, oh, I don't want to tell them all the things because... You know well,
0: and to take the stress off, I've always found like there's always somebody usually in the peripheral that is assisting the person who needs the help that could use the food. For example, like let's say you just show up and you bring four hamburgers. I love to bring people cheeseburgers and they happen to be vegetarians. Um, there's usually someone in the house, like maybe a housekeeper, you know, that it would be really nice to give a hamburger to or, you know, there's always – or like the mother-in-law has shown up and she's trying to, you know, do some work or, you know, just – People who are working around that can use the food, which gives them a little extra boost, which helps them care for the sick person.
2: Exactly. And and one of the questions you asked me to think about in advance of the conversation was why um, why does it matter if we make it ourselves versus you know sending a meal card or Mm -hmm. takeout or whatever? And first of all, absolutely blessings on anyone who is showing up for anyone else with food. I think that's just a great thing to do. And if you're too far away to cook, that's a great way to go. Um, But there's something about making it yourself even if it's a brownies from a mix it really doesn't matter you've you've gone to the store you've gotten the, what you need you've gone home you've engaged in all the steps and when you show up at that person's house they can do that mental arithmetic and go wow this person was thinking of me that whole time mm. i was held in that person's mind and that person's thoughts that whole time and when you're doing it even if it's you and betty crocker there mm-hmm. with one bowl that it is a form of meditation, and, and that idea of even if you show up with something that they can't eat or they don't want or they're tired of or whatever, they can freeze it, they can um, pay it forward to somebody else who can use it, that the meditative part of it, the energetic part of it, per- persists, whether they have eaten it themselves or not. I mean, ideally, you're showing up with something that saves them the trouble of feeding themselves, but even if you haven't, that energetic part of it is, is still the main ingredient. That's I such a cool believe.
0: way to look at it. Yeah. Well, Kirsten, it reminds me of that hala class you took me to. Kirsten, one time I was visiting her and she made me go to this hala class to learn to bake hala. Holla, holla. <laughs> Never gets old, Kirsten. Never, Never gets old. <laughs> um, but we learned at the end of the class that you always pinch off a bit of the dough and like put it to the side. Um, and you it still goes on the baking tray. But basically the concept is, is that you kind of, while you're making it, you're casting your gaze upward, I guess, you know, yeah. toward God and just toward, like you're saying, the spirituality of it, right? That your, phys- the physical effort of making this has a larger component to it. And so totally. that the little pinch off represents <clears throat> that physicality. And there's something different. Have you ever gone to a buffet, you know, somewhere like a, you know, and people are potluck and there's people have just brought the cookies from the supermarket, but then there's the plate of homemade cookies and the homemade are the ones that go first every single time.
2: Totally. And there's a great scene in, um, I don't know how she does it, I think it was how, what it was called. It was a book and then it was a movie where she, she comes from a business trip and her kids have a bake sale at school the next day and she gets a tray of like little Debbie cakes, whatever the British equivalent is, from the store and at midnight in her kitchen she's smashing them with a rolling pin and dusting them with sugar so it looks like she made them <sighs> clumsily at home, which I just always love. That's loved, actually that scene. a really good idea. Yeah. But I had the experience a couple years ago traveling to Cuba with my daughter's uh, high school Spanish class. And food is just a whole different concept there than I had really been exposed to, even with a lot of traveling and and talking to people from all over. And and we towards the end of the trip, we had dinner in someone's home. And she cooked the same three things that we'd been eating everywhere else that were not particularly tasty. But she cooked them at home. And she cooked them in this... Very loving way that she knew she was taking in this group of kids who'd been traveling for a couple of weeks, and and you could just see on everyone's face like first the sort of disappointment, like oh here we go again with the black beans and rice, right. and then <laughs> how different it tasted. Huh. And it wasn't—I mean, she was a very good cook, but it 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 really wasn't that. I don't think it was just that feeling of like welcoming people to your table and cooking. That it. was
0: the bacon fat. She, had, was a- the bacon. she
2: had the bacon <laughs> fat mojo right there.
0: I'm kidding. Um, Um, Which
2: actually, this ties the whole thing up in a bow, because we had a bunch of vegetarian and vegan kids on that trip. And that is not a culture where you travel easily as a vegetarian or a vegan, because they don't really even know what you're talking about. And to the point of like, okay, here's your beans and rice, and it was full of pork. So (laughs) So what did they do? Kind of the theme of the trip. They were pretty hungry, and they ate a lot of white bread. Um,
0: oh, yeah, they just
2: worked but, around it.
0: Well, yeah. that reminds me, I think my my grandfather was kosher, and he used to have to travel a lot. Um, and I remember, like, they had to pack the meat with them, which was really a strange oh. thing when they traveled. Yeah, but then the other day, I was reading an article from the Wall Street Journal that said, like, it was someone who's kind of a concierge for very, 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 very wealthy people who just travel all the time. And they were talking about all the things you don't know about like catering to this like level of, you know, person who's kind of like a true globetrotter. And they said, there's always the meat guy. Like (laughs) it's actually like moving meat around because people are very, very picky about their meat and they usually fly in their own meat or it has to be like halal or something along those lines. Wow. Okay. Getting back. Um, I loved your idea as a lunchbox as being a care package. And since we're back to school packing lunches, let's talk about that a little more.
2: Well, I mean, I write in the book that the lunchbox is a care package, packed lovingly to your person. But I also, I think, touch on the fact that I had a my relationship to the lunchbox contains multitudes. You know, I, I was going to say
0: this
1: is a very I'm being triggered a little bit here because yeah. I'm not going to make blue jello for my children and make it look like the ocean. I'm just not.
2: No, no, none of that like crazed bento box situation. God bless you. And you know, come out of the gate strong in September, but by March mm-hmm. it was a little less, you know, tender. I know but, when
1: I'm putting the free cookies they give you on the Southwest Airlines, like I just, just put it down box.
2: Down. I'm like, now oh, you know, you just smash them a little bit and put a little powdered sugar on, and then it looks there you like, go. But even I don't know the energetic qualities of food just have a really uh, powerful. It's a powerful set of things for me. The, um, the just the idea, even if even if it is the cookies from Southwest and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, if you take that, just that breath to understand that you're packing like whoever this is, and it could be yourself. A lot of people pack lunchboxes for themselves to eat later in the day, but yourself, your partner, your kid, think about them sitting down wherever they're going to be and opening it up. And again, it could be you to feed yourself so you can keep doing whatever it is you've gone to that place to do, get educated or work or make widgets or, you know, whatever it is, it's just a different, it's a different mindset. So even if it's a peanut butter sandwich in the package of cookies, maybe it's a little note that just says, you know, something funny or something, some reference to something that amuses you both or a little drawing, goofy little drawing or something. But, and if you can put a little extra, you know, take out a cookie cutter. I don't, I never make roll cookies, but I have a lot of cookie cutters. Take out a cookie cutter and cut the sandwich into a shape. It takes... 90 seconds but then the person opens the box and they're like oh my sandwich is shaped like a bunny or a christmas tree or whatever it is that it is a little message from home from the home planet from wherever this person docks normally to them wherever they're doing what it is they do during the day and so even if it's just a tiny little extra something on a very standard tuna sandwich bag of chips situation you're you're boost you're kind of turning up the dials on the loving part of it.
1: Oh Janet, you're making me feel like I've been too cynical. Okay, maybe once a month cuz as I was thinking about my kids opening a christmas tree like that would make them really happy. Okay, I remember about
0: one time, time my mom month, put green food coloring in my eggs, and I still remember it to this day. She was not like a real chefy type lady, um, so I, but I, like to this day I remember she put some green food coloring in my eggs.
1: Oh, let's talk about eggs because I think that what you've got um, about the eggs, I think that's going to be so cute around Halloween, the eyeball the,
2: eggs, the, the stink bug eggs. Yeah, there's stink all kinds egg. of things you can do with eggs. Okay, but, explain, um, explain, because well, gonna, the green food coloring eggs. I'm guessing that was the springtime. I mean, everybody's got a lot of hard boiled, funky colored eggs in the, you know, around Easter time for the most part. I think Not it was
0: ever- green eggs and ham.
2: Oh, like, green eggs, like, there I you think go. You
0: put it in Scramble. Um,
2: but there are lots of, um, you know, a beet turns your hard boiled egg into a little magical little, I mean, it looks like a jewel when you open it up. Um, there's lots of ways to funk up a, a hard boiled egg that don't take any extra time at all, really. Um, it's just, you know, Turning your turning your head a quarter degree, and after you hard boil the eggs, you throw them into a container full of beets, or you throw them into a container that has food coloring or onion skins or any of these things, and then it's just a slightly more magical thing when the person opens it up in their you lunch. you
1: Peel them before you do that. Sorry, I've never done this, and you're making yeah. it sound so easy. Um, you can do it both ways. It's
2: crazy. Um, and you can do it both ways. You can peel like you can make a pickled hard boiled egg. So you peel them, and then if you have a bunch of boiled or canned beets, you know, throw the, the peeled hard boiled eggs into the container with that, it's got a little bit, that has a little vinegar or something in it. And in the morning you pull them out and they're, it's crazy what happens. Like the outside edge of the egg gets really deep purple, but it kind of permeates into the middle. So the yolk even gets like a little sunset ring around it. Like, woo. Um, Wait, and- now, does that change the, the flavor? It'll change the flavor. It'll make it a little pickly. Like it'll make it a okay. little seasoned okay. tasting. Okay. And um, it also changes the texture a little bit. Like it firms them up a little bit.
1: Okay. I feel like and I've got one kid I could sell that to. Okay. I know. I'm trying to think if I could sell that to. I could sell it to and, me. I would
0: love
2: it. <laughs> and you can also do, if you have them in their shells, you kind of whap them on the table. So they're a little bit cracked. That's the technical term, the whapping. <laughs> um, and then bury them in a, um, I think the, the recipe's in the book, but like a boil up the skins from the onions like for in the, you know, in the water, you've just cooked the eggs in, you throw the onion skins in, a little bit of tamari, a little bit of whatever else you have around. And the it, it goes through the crackled parts of the shell. So you, what you end up with is this like marbled hard boiled egg, which is just incredibly beautiful.
1: Very cool. Okay. And if you've got kids that aren't adventurous, do you think you could do that just with food coloring and not have the flavor, but still have that cool look? Oh, totally. Yeah. All right. That might... Unfortunately, men are still little and not that open to new taste buds, but um, that's really cool. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. Um, all right. I want to get talking about just overall providing healthy food, but first we want to take a quick little break and tell our listeners about a sponsor we have. We have Audible Escape as a sponsor. So what is Audible Escape? It's a monthly oh. subscription service that provides unlimited listening to thousands of love stories. It's it's separate and distinct from the standard monthly Audible subscription, but you don't need to have an existing Audible membership to sign up for Audible Escape. Graham, say what you have been dying to say all morning. If you love
0: love, you'll love Audible Escape. I mean, this is amazing. Can we have a better sponsor? I think it's like Harlequin novels, basically. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Okay, so here's the thing.
1: Maybe in Another Life is what I recently read. Graham, it is not a Harlequin romance. You're it's- right. It's
0: love stories. It- if your genre of book is love stories. Oh, like this
1: wasn't just like love, love story. story. This was like very... In- this well, I, I, is a cool book, actually. I was going to have you... I was going to talk to you about this book. So it was really interesting. She takes like two different paths. It's by the girl who did Daisy Jones and the Six. Anyway... Um, the whole point is, you guys, if you are already buying any books that fall under the romance genre, which is a really large genre of romantic comedies, there's like um, there's just a bunch of them. There's some, you know, all different types. But um, if you're already doing this, this is kind of a no-brainer because it's only well, you get to try your first month for free. After that, it's twelve ninety five a month. But if you're already an Audible or Kindle Unlimited Member, then it's just six ninety-five a month. So yes. this is a real I mean six ninety-five a month. For unlimited, there's eighteen
0: thousand romance titles. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think you're to gonna be
0: okay. No time, no commitment. So if you love love, so our um, URL to use is audible.com/love. Welcome home, all one word. So audible.com/love. Welcome home. Yeah, exactly.
1: So there's also Audible Originals. Um, there's no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. So if you're buying those anyway, might as well just give this a try. All right. Thank you, Audible Escapes. Okay, now I promise we talk about healthy options because, um, yeah, I feel like one of the times I've gotten, I've gotten food the most was when after pregnancy and after pregnancy, I mean, I know, I know what I should say is like, wow, what a miracle. My body's amazing, but I just thought, gosh, I want to get back in shape and you just felt like, you know, I, you know, you just feel like you're not exercising, you're lying around because you've got a new baby. For me, it was always post-surgery. I just felt like I wanted to just put healthy, green, nourishing foods in my body.
2: Well, it's funny that you picked green because the one thing that I've made that consistently people went completely bonkers about when I was packing a lot of new mama boxes was I would just steam greens, no fancy techniques, just whole leaves of chard and um, usually not kale, because if someone's nursing, then I try to sort of avoid the the, burp, the belchy foods, but um, chard and anything else in that family, steamed it and just stacked up the leaves and rolled them up and sliced them. So they looked almost like little maki rolls, but it was just greens and put them in a little dish. And then I made a sesame salad dressing. You could use a bottle dressing, doesn't matter, on the side. And there's something about just picking, it's just a it's just greens. It's just steamed greens. But it, there, there was something about the way you could just pick it up. First of all, if you're taking care of a baby, anything you can eat with one free hand mm-hmm. is great. And it's you no, know, people don't usually do that. So it had the kind of novelty effect and it was super healthy and
0: so cool because it basically had that.
2: a single ingredient. So, you know, it was just vegetables, but
0: and dip. And like you just yeah. when you're walking by the fridge and grazing, you can just pull something like a cold green out and just dip it in and then move wow. on with your day.
2: I love those and I love the. Um, These are in the book. The little quinoa—they're almost like frittatas, but you make them in a muffin pan. And it's got whole grain, it's got egg, and then you can throw in what really whatever you have—any kind of cheese, any kind of cooked up, you know, protein that you might have sitting around, olives, any kind of tasty, nibbly little savory thing—and then you bake them in a muffin pan, and they're exactly that. You watch by by the fridge, and you just grab one, or you throw them in your lunchbox, and it's. It's one of those that things. Genius!
0: Do. I gotta make some more muffin pan stuff. So just whip up some eggs, like some egg, some egg batter, quinoa, and and yeah, other. Yeah. The book is
2: with quinoa, but you can do it with any leftover cooked grain. And then you, boom, okay. you have your whole grain involved in whatever you're making. And then um, it's three or four eggs, I think, to make a batch of them. And if you have, you know, that sort of annoying little bit of leftover vegetables at the end of dinner that nobody's eaten, but it's not really worth saving. You know, yeah. mince that up and throw it in there, and. Cheese just makes everything better as far as i Absolutely. Concerned. So lots of cheese and you, this is one of those things, Sunday was always a bit, when I was packing lots of lunch boxes and had lots of kids at home, Sunday was the day where you just do something that later in the week you will thank your past self for. So if you bake <laughs> off a tray of those or you cook a bunch of brown rice and throw that in the fridge or bake some potatoes and don't even do anything to them, just bake them, cool them down and put them in the fridge at some point Wednesday when everyone has practice or you had a late meeting or whatever, you have that in the bank and you can. You, you can know. make Kirsten's favorite potato skins.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's a potato skin junkie. Your book is so cool. I've really, I got so many little tidbits from it. Talk about recovery food. I thought that was a neat concept. You might not, you might not even know what I'm alluding to. because I, I think I you're talking it- about miso
2: soup. Are you talking about yes. miso Is soup?
0: that your miso? Or your, it was your sister's miso?
2: My sister and my son both have have this um, devotion to miso soup, which is actually pretty wise. I think part of the curiosity that I was talking about is also tuning into what bodies are craving because that tells you a lot.: So this idea of antidote that like anything that's going to to balance out what the primary experience of that <laughs> illness or whatever you're recovering from has been. Um, Looking for that in a food, and miso is a really um, intelligent thing for your body to crave. It has a lot of minerals, it has a lot of protein. It's it's uh, fermented food, so it's really available to your body. All the nutrients in it are really available. Um, it's very soothing. It's very um, it's not taxing to your system. It replenishes your lost salts. It's like a superfood, basically. And I noticed that both my sister, who was going through you know very serious illness and my son, who was going through the normal ups and downs of childhood, you know, colds, and uh, he used to get this tummy bug all the time. And both of them, you know, when they came up for air, when they were ready to sort of start that arc of recovery, that was all they wanted. And it's just Mm -hmm. a very replenishing thing. And it kind of reset, I think what you were responding to is the way it just sort of resets. And then you can be like, oh, okay, I want the cheeseburger, or I want the well, I've never heard
0: anyone articulate it before. You're the first person I'd ever seen who wrote it down. Like I find oh. that it's a very powerful thing that I've always experienced. I don't know if you have Kirsten, but I know what I need. And like, it's a very specific thing. And it's very, like, I'm very targeted. Usually it's usually sugar candy, which is so weird. And I know it probably is making your stomach turn, Janet, but it's like, it has to be some sort of like sour, you know, like I need a couple Skittles or I need a couple right. Sour Patch Kids, which sounds crazy, like after a surgery or a sickness, but then- I can move on to food and you articulate, like you were saying in the book, just, you know, sometimes you just need a nibble of it or like a sip right. of miso soup or whatever it is. And then once you provide that for the person who's
2: ill, they can start eating again. And the last thing that will turn my stomach is the idea of gummy bears because I am <laughs> devoted to gummy bears. Okay. Um, yeah, whatever yeah, what healthy, like, like reputation I have, it it the line stops at gummy bears. And
0: I like them if they're a little stale. Mm. Yeah. extra. It's interesting you say this because this came up
1: last week. Graham and I were talking about gummy bears and how I now keep them in the freezer, which was a trick my children taught me. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm recovering from pneumonia. I haven't coughed so much this episode, so yay. But um, yeah, I went out when I was waiting for my prescription at Walgreens and there was a little sale in the gummy bear aisle. Mm -hmm. I may have stocked up. Yeah, I just needed that. I mean, medically, I think that's just nonsense. I think my defenses were just down, but.
0: But no, I liked I it. it I went like, with it. You need glucose. I mean, maybe it's just like a pure shot of sugar. That's something your body says it needs.
2: Just to and also, up. and if you want to delve into like that, where the curiosity comes in is like, first of all, have the five gummy bears or whatever it is that you need. Five but, bags. Five <laughs> bags. Fine. That's good. Yep. Um, and it's so not judgy. I like her. <laughs> <laughs> but look under that and be like, now what is it? Like, it, am I like? Is it a low energy thing? And you need like you know that little boost of sugar, that little boost of energy, is that what you're looking for? Because there are other ways to answer that. Um you know, gummy bears are a, a very important food group. And also <laughs> what what else is going on in your body that's making you look for that? Is it, you know, that the tartness of some of the like the, the you know sour, I think you said sour patch kids or the sour bears like it's often the, you're dehydrated when you're looking for something like that. Like something that's well sort of like I always have that feeling after a cold or when I had pneumonia like could not get hydrated. I couldn't get that sort of dry feeling out of my mouth.
1: Oh, they were the little Coke Coke bottle gummies. Maybe I just wanted a Coke. Oh,
0: Kirsten, that's disgusting. <laughs> I didn't know anyone even ate them.
2: Yeah, those are kind of... I'm sorry. I'm kind of, just, I'm no, right, you're I'm fine. fine John, just judge only, you. It's the, fine
0: the, to judge Kirsten. <laughs> just, well, so, just on the Coke
1: just gummies. Like, just, just like ladies. Like, like, I wrote a cookbook. Why are we talking about Coke bottle gummies? Well, what I love about this is like I had my, my, my youngest is seven. And so I still have a few friends with babies, but for the most part, like my oldest is 11. You know, that stage of my life is a little bit done of the new babies, but I feel like there was a while there where it was like twice a week. Somebody had a baby, you know what I mean? It was just nonstop. And I kind of got in a, I kind of got in a, in a routine where there were certain foods that I made and, and maybe it was thoughtful because it was usually, unless there was a food allergy or food preference, it was kind of like my go-to food and that was helpful and they were, it was a pretty like general crowd-pleasing food um, and maybe it was kind of geared for new moms and young families. So maybe I was more thoughtful about it, but what I love about this book is that you've organized it not by like entrees, desserts, but by foods for expanding families, food for, for the rearranged and relocated, food for um, solace, food for illness and recovery. It's really not just like, hmm, what would taste good? But like, what do you need right now? It's just another level of thoughtfulness because you're right. Like, you know, the reality is the store down the street that does takeout might even be a better cook than me, but it's not the same. And there's that level of thoughtfulness. Um, I love just the way you organized it. So you really do think about what the person is going through and why you're bringing them a meal, as opposed to just like what might taste good.
2: Yeah. And that idea, the principle of how to organize it was what really was the catalyst. I, I knew I was writing the book already, but I was sort of struggling with, cause I wanted to put in everything that I'd ever, you know, made mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, and I couldn't do that. And so I was trying to think of what the best way to sort of winnow that down and also just it was just one of those ideas, you know, that you have that like, all of a sudden, everything goes goes click, 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 click. Like, well, if you look at it this way, um, not like this is the puddings recipe section, but this is how you think about these people, people who have been through this kind of thing. And this is how you think about it. And then you can, then when you're in that headspace, you can be cooking for your set of people and pick so, and choose many of those sections. Because to elaborate got,
0: for, for our listeners, Like I think one of the things you said was serving tiny foods to sad people. That's an example. That's right, an example of what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and that picks up on the gummy bear, even the cola bottle gummy bear <laughs> part of the conversation because pleasure is a really important feature of feeding people and of being fed. And sometimes I, I think that may be the gummy bear principle right there also is just that tiny little bit of happiness, that tiny little bit of pleasure that has, you know, that your body has a memory for you. Your body has a slot to accept because it's always your comfort food or it's always your cheer up food. Hmm. And, and, there, and you need to, just like anything, there's, there are no universals. Just like anything, pleasure, you might serve it in abundance at a celebration. But if you're feeding people who are, are bereaved, that would be totally inappropriate because they wouldn't be able to receive it. They wouldn't, it it would just be, they don't have the processors for that. And they may not have much appetite. They may be very suspicious of happiness and joy because it doesn't feel like what they're, you know, the, the language they're speaking in that moment. So when you feed them something tiny that doesn't feel like, and they're also tired, you know, grief is exhausting. So you wouldn't put the double bacon, double cheeseburger in front of that person. Cause it'd be like, Absolutely. what? Yeah, How could much. I, like, I can't even get out of bed. You know, like it's hard yeah. to put my shoes right. on. So if you give them something tiny, um, it's, it's not a big commitment. It's just this little tiny thing, you know, you'll be done in a sec. And yeah, if it's, it's just a little bit delicious and not just, you know, sometimes you need to sort of Gas station food—I don't mean like that you get at a gas station necessarily, but like I just need to refuel because I'm taking care of a newborn and three toddlers, and I'm on my way to back. <laughs> okay, good. Useful good. balance. That, like, when you were talking about cooking for new families, when you're doing it sort of as a—you know—it's your sport because everybody's having a baby or whatever, and you have you have your repertoire of go-tos. That's fine. You you need because you need to be able to show up for people in a way that doesn't wreck you because it's a no help to the other person. Nobody wants to be, feel like they've taken your left leg, you know, like (laughs) here's dinner, Mike, you know, we're having cereal, Uh but you get this nice dinner. Nobody wants to be on the receiving end of that. And also you, you need to be a functional member of your own ecosystem. So you have to fit it in, in a way that's reasonable. So you're not going to be tying things with a chive and cutting things out of aspic and, you know, going completely nuts because you, for the most part, I don't think people are going to be doing that because you can't. You can't fit it into your life. It's going to be weird for the recipient. It's just not the thing. I think containers make all the difference. And it's where my um, earthy, crunchy, tree-huggy sensibility bumps up against my not wanting people to be tripping over Containers and having that be, like you said, an extra burden. Like I
1: know you hate to be like throw it away, but you're also kind of like just throw it away.
2: You know, like what- I have two answers to that question. One is tag sales um, because Ooh. I'm always picking up. You know, people are always unloading extra Pyrex, extra whatever kind of containers. So smart. And I always, if if that's what I've packed dinner in, I always let people know. Like, got this at the tag sale, dollar store, rummage sale, whatever. Don't worry about it. I'm happy to have it back, but really don't worry about it. And masking tape or painter's tape. Um, When I did the little, uh, the first events for the book, I had a giveaway. You know, everybody has a little goo that they give away. And I thought, well, nobody needs another tote bag. And I got Sharpies printed with the name of the book on it because the Sharpie and the painter's tape are the bomb for anything you do want back or those little, um, you know the address, return address labels that come with everything when people are trying to raise money from you. Mm. Um, I always keep those in the kitchen too, because you can just stick those on the whatever you do want back. For God's sake, don't send your wedding china to somebody's house in a dinner basket. But if there's something you do want back eventually, I try never to send food and stuff that is part of my daily rotation because then you're it, it becomes aggravating and then that's sort of energetically the wrong approach. And also, I just label anything that I want back um, with a piece of tape and a Sharpie, or one of those address labels. And um, those are coming great. back to pick up your containers is, it's helping someone with food is a two-part process. If you have containers you want back, you really should be as expeditious as possible going back and getting the empties. Um, right, and just say, just leave it on your front step. That way you don't have to exactly. wait for them to be home. And um, don't, have, I would don't also... make them label it. You know, they, then they right. can, everything that's yours is going to say your name on the bottom of it. You can just come and pull it out.
0: Right. Or a restaurant supply store. I go to, we have a restaurant supply store here and I'll get stuff from them because they always have interesting containers that are a little bit different from, you know, my normal
2: like Tupperware that you'd get at like Target or Walmart or whatever. Um, And and mason jars jars are awesome. Mason jars come in so many shapes and sizes. They always have lids that clamp down really securely and you can get them. People are always unloading mason jars somewhere, Craigslist, tag sale, whatever. And they're, you know, even to buy them new is, it's not a big commitment. It's like a, you know, $15 for a whole tray of them and then you have something that you know is not going to spill into the floor mats of your car or your tote bag yes. in the subway or whatever
0: the floor mats that's been <sighs> huge just transporting the food
1: yeah, yeah. i know we're, we are trying to get away from throwing things away but i still feel like when i package stuff in disposable i still feel like i do a better job than the takeout places you know i'm much more right um thrifty with that and we have this well do you guys have smart and final is that just i don't know i don't know how is that everywhere you do have that no. It's not my wear. I don't have that. It's, it's very, it's, it's such an odd store. I'm still not even sure what it is. For a long time, I thought it was an office store, but it's not. It's like a Costco. It's like a grocery store. Um, but they also are restaurant supply. It's very bizarre. But um, they had, you know, like the 80s, uh, like Chinese takeout boxes, the cardboard oh, yeah. ones. But they had the big ones for when you'd get like the family size. And it was just, they were white and simple. And then I could write on them with a the Sharpie and I could write like a nice note on it. And I just go, I keep all like the extra ribbons from birthday parties and stuff. And I would just put a ribbon on it. And it was just a simple white box, you know, and it, I still felt like it, it obviously isn't as great as something you can reuse because you're the environmental factor. But gosh, my packaging yeah. was more than takeout. And then if I do, the other thing is like some of those Tupperware or containers are just not that expensive to just give somebody those and be like, just keep them in Adam your collection. You know, I don't need it. And it,
2: it also contributes to that idea of, you know, eventually they'll pack something in it and give it to somebody you know, they and it has a pay forward quality to it. Um, Goodwill and thrift stores are other other places that I can always pick up some baking dish or something that I just don't care. That is a
1: great idea.
0: Another really neat sponsor that we have that we've partnered with is BetterHelp. And if you haven't heard of BetterHelp before, it's an online counseling service. So basically, if you're having any issues, depression, stress, anxiety, anything you think you might need to talk to a counselor for, you can connect pretty much instantaneously with a professional counselor in a safe online private environment. It's very, very convenient. Anything you share is absolutely confidential. I almost feel like this is the modern way counseling is going to go. And you can change your counselor at any time. They've got 3,000 therapists that are all licensed in all 50 states. Um, You can text them, chat with them, phone and video. You can start communicating with someone in under 24 hours. It's just a really neat concept I think I think it's kind of really the future and we have a special code for our listeners if you go to um, betterhelp.com slash welcome home all one word you'll get ten percent off your first month of counseling so betterhelp.com slash welcome home and you'll get 10 percent off your first month of counseling Basically, with the discount look- code welcome home all one word yeah you have to use with the discount code welcome home so we hope if anyone's struggling with any issues or just needs to talk to someone that they would give that a try. I love it. I love
1: that you don't have to drive. Um, thanks, BetterHelp. We also want to tell you about AnaLuisa.com. We love Ana Luisa. They bring exceptional jewelry into the life of every woman, even Graham, one collection at a time. You guys, these um, the people who started Ana Luisa come from the world of high fashion jewelry, where they've spent years designing some of the most coveted brands, um, and they give it directly to you at a much better price, no high markup. Big brands will charge you 10 times the cost of production, um, who wants to pay that? Not me and not Graham. So we have loved our Ana Luisa products that we got to try. I got a beautiful ring. Um, and did you know that it takes 20 tons of earth mining to produce a single ring of gold? Um, did you know that, Graham?
0: I did not. That's wild.
1: You should know that because I've told you multiple times. Well, That's I mean, I knew why it. I didn't know. But it we really- didn't know it till Ana Luisa told us. But you guys, they're using 100% recycled gold in their products, which is pretty amazing. Um, they craft jewelry you'll find nowhere else. So you'll want to keep it for years and you can because they use the highest quality um, enduring materials. So cheap um, breakable jewelry is rarely recycled and it's a huge waste for the environment. So let's do something great for the environment while getting ourselves some beautiful jewelry. You're going to want to check out their designs at www.analuisa.com slash welcome home. Again, it's www. Analuisa.com slash welcome home. And Louisa is A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Um, you'll use the promo code WelcomeHome10 for $10 off your purchase. So go to analouisacom slash welcome home promo code is welcome home 10 for $10 off your purchase. We know that you will love them. Um, and also I know we've thrown a lot of great deals at you and they're all worth checking out. So go ahead and visit our show notes at the welcome home podcast, and we'll have links to all of this great stuff. So thank you, Ana Luisa.
0: Okay. The last two points, I just think we haven't touched on. I love this idea when people are moving and moving in, uh, and this is not really bringing a meal, but the first night box, I thought that was kind of a genius.
2: Concept. It grew out of a, of a bringing a meal, um, experience when my sister and her husband moved in, uh, when we were living in New York city and I brought them a lasagna feeling like, you know, the queen of the sisters who was obviously going to get a medal. <laughs> and I was on my way to some work function or something. So I dropped off the lasagna and I went off and I came back to help them unpack. And they had taken it, it turned out they had taken it out of the oven using a pair a couple pairs of boxer shorts. And then scooped it out of the um, dish with a teacup because those were the only things they could find when they were so hungry, you know, having been moving all day and all that kind of stuff. And they were so hungry and they're looking around. There were three boxes marked kitchen, but none of them said, like, the oven mitts are in here or here's the coffee maker or something like that. So that, Things
0: you need for lasagna box, that wasn't, uh, no. wasn't properly <laughs> yeah. labeled. But the concept you wrote about is you have a first night box when you move. And I've moved enough times, and I've yet never once done this, right? The box, it has the toothbrushes, the toothpaste, the pajamas for that night, like, you know, plates and napkins. Maybe the coffee maker is in there with the filters, you know, everything you need for that first night when you move. Yeah. And I've never thought of a first night box. Well, my work is done. Dun- oh, is- your work! You have done a great job. A yeah, Where were you
1: on our moving episode? That is genius. Yeah, seriously. Or well, well, I- this is. I'm-
0: a- oh, go ahead, Graham. Oh no, I was going to say the meal after an airline flight. So when you have like guests who are arriving at your oh, house. Oh, explain this. Explain this. Yeah, this is this cool. Was neat.
2: Well, this—the first time I ever read, there's a, a writer named Lori Colwyn who's like just the inspiration for so many people that are writing about food from a home cooked perspective, especially, and she wrote a chapter about how you meet someone and this was in the eighties before airline travel was, you know, like root canal. It was still pretty taxing for your body. And it was the first time I'd ever encountered someone who had geeked out to my degree about, no, that's not quite right. No, that seems right, but I don't think that's what no, because they'd probably be thirsty, but they're sort of so and she she just wrote this beautiful, she was an incredible writer and she's wrote this beautiful essay about it. And um so that started me thinking about that particular kind of experience in that way you sort of permission to be as nerdy about these things as as i secretly was (laughs) and if you think about it's sort of like illness it's any any kind of taxing experience it has like identifying features so you're obviously going to be dehydrated your nerves are jangled beyond jangle normal jangle levels you're probably um time confused you know in all likelihood either because you've gone through it across some sort of time zone or just because you probably had to get up at five in the morning or, you know, you missed lunch or something. So the person's like super disoriented, probably thirsty, kind of assaulted. And so you figure out ways to meet all those needs that aren't again, like aren't like handing a bacon double cheeseburger to a sad person. Like they need something really hydrating. They need something um, that they don't have to fuss with, you know, and don't have to go through a whole list of instructions like with well, the dressings in here and then you, but you need to heat that and they just need something that's available and nourishing and tastes like it was made by a person, like they didn't come out of a, I think you can get better food, One the one plus, plus side of travel now is that you can get better food in airports than you used to be able to, but it's kind of the, the Cuba principle, like, yeah, you can get a, a decent salad or a sandwich in an airport, but it doesn't taste like it was made by a person. So. That feeling of just sort of being loved and being in a home
0: mm-hmm.
2: is a great thing to try and get across with whatever you're feeding to a person who's been traveling a lot. Mm.
1: Um, you have a chapter in your book that I think is so interesting because how many books about caring for people or being a good neighbor, being hospitable or caring for sick um, are, are out there, tons. But you actually have a chapter in here about, about caring for the caregiver, which I thought was so interesting and that's so overlooked.
2: Well, it's, it's sort of like what we were talking about with the containers. Um, you can see I have one of those brains that just sees connections, and then I just kind of spin out. But um, the, the idea of caring for the caregiver comes from that, I, that concept of the round, kind of round robin of care. I can show up for this person and make them dinner because somebody picked my kids up from school because the, whatever was roasting was taking longer than I thought it was going to you know, it's it doesn't happen in a single exchange. There's no way that you're providing this thing for this person and somebody hasn't provided something for you. Mm-hmm. And that can be true even if at the level, if I'm cooking it, somebody grew it, you know, that you, it's another one of those meditations that I find really grounding to think about, like where the food came from or who helped me so I could show up for this person and do this. And that saying, you can't pour from an empty cup, just becomes so obvious when you're caring for someone in a really... Um, taxing situation, whether it's a newborn or somebody who's going through a, a you know a serious or terminal illness, you're pouring out all the time, and you have to replenish. And it's not there. The, it's 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 not a selfish act to do that. It's it, it can feel that way, and I think people resist it because it feels selfish at a time when there's so much need to be doing something for yourself. But it's the absolute inverse of that. It's it's. You can't. You're not going to add anything to the equation if you collapse, Mm -hmm. or you, you know, tax yourself so you become somebody else's caregiving burden. So you really are. You're you're part of the ecosystem. Remaining healthy is is taking care of yourself and allowing you. There there was that feeling um, with my sister who was going through a terminal illness. That that those of us who were taking care of her, we we did it in shifts. So you there would be times when you were at home, could leave. And that idea of restoring yourself by being away from it, there's a lot of guilt in that because she Mm -hmm. couldn't, she couldn't take a day off. Um, But so I did a lot of thinking and thinking and thinking around, well, but I, in order to come back and be the able-bodied upright person, I need to restore because it's true. She couldn't take a day off, but we were, you know, rotating in and out so we could each replenish and be available to her um, so I think it's super important and it and it, and it and it really the gummy bears are were a huge part of that because th- those tiny little micro doses of pleasure like the the symbolic things that stand for a spa day or you mm. know anything like that those are really important it, and it's good to identify those it's good to have identified your cola gummy bear or your Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, or your stupid rom-com break, or whatever it is, because you're going to need it at times like that, and you're not going to have time to wonder, like, oh, what would make me feel better right now? You need to sort of have that personal lexicon of, oh, this is this this calls for three episodes of I Love Lucy, or you know that whatever it is, you need to pre. It's you're you're serving yourself well if you've pre-identified what you know restores you. Well,
1: if you can give that to someone else too, like you were saying about feeling guilty about it, and you knew. You shouldn't feel guilty because you were actually loving her by loving yourself and, you know, keeping yourself healthy and being there. But it is, it is sometimes our head can tell us that, but you still feel the guilt. So if you can, oh, totally. you know, be encouraging a caretaker like that, that's probably a huge gift for them.
2: Janet, yeah. you're
0: smart. We like you. We want you yeah. back on the show. And we okay. want you to write your follow up book and come on. Okay. And, okay. Um, what so else? All are you- of those things. Absolutely. This has been a treat. Kirsten, did you have anything else? To- well, I just had
1: one last question for her because my favorite childhood dessert was magic shell. And oh. I don't know how many other people out there have wonderful memories of just being like, this is, this is truly one of those miracles that no one can explain, you know? And you've, you've cracked the code on mag-
0: homemade See magic shell. See what you shell. did there, cracked the code.
1: Oh, That's I didn't even right. mean to. I think She was a
0: professional. God, you're good.
1: Can you please, if, if, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping our listeners all know what magic shell is, but if you are somehow unfamiliar, not a child of the nineties, it's the most fun dessert ever. It's a chocolate sauce you put on ice cream. And when it hits the cold ice cream, you have to wait like 30 seconds and then it becomes a magical hard
0: shell. On your because it cream. has 20 million grams of fat. in yeah, it. Was, That's what makes it
2: harder. But it's exactly anyway, it's a magical. really important nutrient. Pro- Proceed, yeah, explain, pro fat. explain. Uh, and also make, oh that, that wapping technique from the hard-boiled eggs, that's is where you use the wapping again, because then you, oh, there you go. and then it I'm so, a It's a right great, now. that's a great one to close on, because people who say to me, oh, you know, yeah, you do your thing with the cooking and everything, but you do that, and I can't do that kind of thing for people. Making magic shell literally involves stirring.
0: You can okay. do it in a
2: microwave if you need to. It's one technique, stirring. Like you put a bunch of stuff in a bowl. Chocolate and fat, right? Essentially, it is just chocolate and fat. And then you can dude it up if you want to. You can add a little spiciness to it or you can um, not add a little spiciness to it. And it, it takes, once you have all the ingredients in place, I don't know, five minutes to make it. And you put it in our trusty mason jar and boy, if, especially if everybody else has been showing up for that person with quinoa casseroles and you show up with magic shell, you are probably going to make their day. And um, you explain,
0: it, no, so it's soft when you deliver it, but how does it turn into, it, is it the cold temperature that shells it cold, up? Cold, yeah, it's
2: just fat in the presence it's of a cold. the magic, Graham. It's, yeah, it's the magic that you put in, obviously. Um, it's <laughs> fat in the presence of cold just firms up. So um, except, <laughs> no. so you can even serve oh, this. that explains cool sculpting. There we go. It just came yeah. together. Yeah, I was going to say, except that, you know, bathing suit <laughs> season. But, um, so...
0: We didn't have magic skull. Then You go to your cool sculpting and it's all... That's nope. why my legs feel better when I get in the pool. They feel tighter. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. It's coming together. It's science. You right. could even serve this at a dinner party for real,
1: though, because you do like a fancy grown-up version with bacon fat and... Which is optional,
2: just in case there's any vegetarians or vegans listening. Whatever. Stop listening
1: to this one moment because we all need the bacon fat in the chocolate. The
2: magic in this magic shell is coconut oil, which, you know, is liquidy and hot when it's hot and cold, it, it, firm at room temperature. So you're just melting chocolate. And you're, the fanciness of your magic shell, basically the uh, swing element there is how good the chocolate is. If you buy, if you a fancy chocolate, it's going to be a fancier magic shell, but you're basically just melting chocolate with a little extra fat in the form of coconut oil, which is firm when it's cold. And then you pour it in a jar and probably depending on where you live and what season it is, by the time it gets to the person, it might've firmed up in the jar, but you just sit it in a cup of hot water and it'll become liquidy again. And then you put it on top of the ice cream and boom, it hardens and it's magical.
1: Would you be okay with us sharing this recipe with our listeners? This is such a cool Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we also want to, we would really recommend this book. I mean, I've already, I've already dog-eared a couple of the pages, as I said, of getting over pneumonia and I can't wait to try the, um, the garlic, uh, lemonade. I mean, I- It sounds so
2: weird and it is so- No, there's a
1: super fancy restaurant here and it's all like organic and like, it's all these fancy foods and you're kind of like- you bring people who aren't very health conscious, and they're kind of rolling their eyes. And then when their food comes, they're like, "What was I thinking? This is delicious." So I've had it before at restaurants, and it really is amazing. And it's when actually you had
0: garlic lemonade before. <laughs>
2: yes. See. And I find out now. Yeah. See, guys, um. I need it. I need it. Uh, and but if yeah, you no. dogeared those recipes, can I just say, as the oldest person in the virtual room here, give the book to someone and ask them to make them for you because we're recovering from pneumonia.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what was really sweet, my son made chicken nuggets and it was every five minutes he came in my room and he was like okay he made chicken nuggets on one pan and and we have a double oven so it didn't occur to me to tell him when I told him to turn on both ovens to then put the chicken nuggets in one and the tater tots in the other but he didn't do it he's like so the tater tots are done now should I do the chicken I'm like okay that's one way but it was so cute but he came in like every two seconds okay mom I I put him in the oven okay mom I got out the ketchup in the ranch like this was not a gourmet meal but then he's like, can I bring you a chicken nugget? And I was like, yeah, bud, you can. And it was like, he's eight. It was, the, it, there was something more precious about that than, um than just any any part of being sick. That was your restorative tiny nibble. That was my restorative tiny nibble. And he brought me, a, oh my gosh, I'm like laying out all my secrets. He brought me a bottle of butter spray. He's
0: like, mom, I know this is your favorite food. God, you still eat butter spray? Oh, we got to shut this down. Janet Rich Elsbach, <laughs> thank you so much. Extra Helping Recipes for Caring, Connecting, and Building Community One Dish at a Time. You're a genius. A great book, everybody. Right? Check out Extra Helping. Thank, thank you, you guys
2: home. so much. This was so
0: much fun. Uh, it was nice
1: to meet you. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care.